Hey, what's up? It's your bro, Mario Escobedo. Welcome to the Christian Bro Code Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is season number two, episode number two, and I produce a new episode the first Monday of every month. And so the episode you're listening to right now, season two, episode two, is for the month of February of 2019. And look, I'm ready to jump into the episode, but let me get this out of the way real quick. Uh, you might hear my voice right now. It sounds a little bit hoarse. I've been dealing with some allergies for, oh boy, about two months now. It's just life in San Antonio where I live. That's just that's just my lot in life. So hopefully it's not too much of a distraction for you throughout this episode. And like I said, I'm ready to jump in. What I want to talk to you about in this episode is a prayer that you can declare over your family every single morning, no matter how busy you are. Now, my wife and I, we've been declaring this prayer over our daughters every single morning, and by that I mean every school morning. We've done it every single school morning for at least the past six years. And like I said, you can do it no matter how busy you are. In fact, you can declare this prayer over your kids, over your family, in 20 seconds or less. And you might think, well, that's not much of a prayer. But let me tell you, this is a meaningful prayer. And what's going to make it meaningful is that you're not just going to declare this prayer over your kids, but you're going to explain to them what this prayer means. And I'll, I'll talk about that later in the episode. But for now, I want to jump into what this prayer is all about. Because there are five components, I say components, but there are five words that make up this prayer. Just five words that you would declare over your kids every single morning, these five words, to have a meaningful prayer moment every morning, no matter how busy you are. These are the five words. I'm going to tell you the five words, and then I'm going to, I'm going to uh, explain the significance behind each of these five words and what they can do for you and your family, your kids in particular. The five words are wisdom, peace, favor, strength, and protection. Now, each of these five words, I'm not just pulling them out of the air. There is Bible behind this, right? These are based on Scripture. They're based on the Bible. Now, you're not going to find this particular prayer with these five words anywhere in the Bible. I, I kind of crafted this myself using these five words that I feel are significant and that, that I, I think can really address or, or cover any situation that might come up in any given day, right? Again, wisdom, peace, favor strength and protection. And I'm going to I'm going to go into what those five words mean, the significance of those five words, and then I'm I'm going to show you just how simple it is to declare this prayer over your kids every single morning no matter how busy you are. All right. So, beginning with wisdom. Here's what I here's what I think wisdom is. Here's how I define wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions and right choices. Now, just think about this for a minute. How would your life be different? If you had the ability to make good decisions, uh, how much happier would you be in your marriage? How much of a better father would you be? How much more money would you have? Just, just think of all the things that would be better if you had the ability to make decisions, good decisions, and right choices. Well, the fact of the matter is that you can actually have this ability to make good decisions and right choices. And this ability comes from God, and the Bible calls it wisdom. You might think of it as uh, maybe life's secret sauce, if you will. Now, again, wisdom is the ability to make good decisions and right choices. Now, wisdom is not the same as intelligence, 
right? Because you know as well as I do that there are many, and you probably know several of them, many intelligent people who still make horrible life decisions. And you see them and you're like, man, you're so smart. How can you do something so dumb, right? It's not a matter of intelligence. There's a difference. Intelligence, education, fantastic. They're good. But if you lack wisdom, things won't go well. Because it's wisdom that helps you apply your intelligence. It helps you apply your knowledge in the correct way, making good decisions and right choices. What we know from the Bible is this, that wisdom comes from God. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now just think about that for a second. When you have wisdom... You have something that comes from God himself, which means that we don't have to rely on our own limited experience or knowledge when it comes to making difficult decisions, neither do our kids. We can, we can take our tough decisions to God and ask him to guide us in making the wisest choice as it relates to that decision. In fact, you probably know this, but there's an entire book in the Bible devo devoted to explaining how to acquire wisdom. It's the book of Proverbs. And if, if, if I had to boil down the message of Proverbs as it relates to wisdom, if I had to boil it down and choose just one verse in Proverbs to summarize what it talks about as it relates to wisdom, I would choose Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, because this is what it says. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> and then the second half of that verse says, though it cost all you have, get understanding, a synonym for wisdom in this case. And so when you, when you read that, you, you wonder, what's the author saying? And here's what I think the author is saying. There's nothing you will ever own that is more valuable than wisdom. So do everything within your power to get it. And the, the rewards of seeking wisdom, they're definitely worth your time and your energy and your effort, no doubt, because God's wisdom helps you make those big life-changing decisions such as, well, do I take this new job? Uh, should, should we buy a house now or save up a little bit more for a bigger down payment? And, and so those big decisions that you have to make in life, God's wisdom helps you make the right decisions and the right choices, but God's wisdom is also for everyday choices. How do we get out of debt? Like what, what steps do we take to get out of debt? How, how do we cultivate a happy marriage, you know, on a daily basis? How do we discipline this three-year-old who is out of control? How do I stay connected with my teen? See, God's wisdom helps you make good decisions and right choices when it comes to the big things in life, but also when it comes to those everyday, quote unquote, little things in life. And so wisdom is the first thing you're going to pray over your family and over your kids, that God would give your kids wisdom. And right about now, you might say something like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, what am I, I'm going to pray for wisdom for my kids. Isn't wisdom just for, I don't know, older people, for adults with, with real decisions to make? And to that, my answer is a, is a resounding no, no. Here's why. Just think about this. Have your children ever done something that made you say, you know better than that? Why, why did you do that? You know better than that. Now, of course they know better, but remember, a person can have knowledge. Your kids can know better and still make bad choices. 
Your kids have knowledge. What they need is God's wisdom to help them apply that knowledge to make good choices and right decisions. And so here's what I think. When it comes to wisdom, the younger, <laughs> the better. I mean, your, your kids, my kids, we need God's wisdom. They need God's wisdom, and they need it now. And I think that God, and I believe that God wants to give your entire family, you, your wife, your kids, this ability to make right decisions and good choices. And in fact, consequences that result from poor decisions, well, they don't have to be your family's legacy. Maybe you come from that kind of a legacy. That doesn't have to continue being the case. You can ask God for wisdom. And in fact, God waits for you to ask for wisdom for yourself and for your entire family. We learn from the book of James chapter 1 that God is ready to give you wisdom. He's happy to give you wisdom, and all he's waiting for is for you to ask him for wisdom for yourself and for your entire family. So the very first thing you're going to declare over your kids is that God would give them wisdom. Number two, the second thing you're going to pray over your kids is for peace. Now, there are peaceless situations. I know that's not a real word. Peaceless situations. And we all encounter situations. You, your wife, your kids, we all encounter situations that threaten to just, I mean, just throw our world into, into chaos, right? And that's just part of life. But wouldn't it be great to feel secure even when your family encounters a nightmare situation or a nightmare moment. And I'm not talking about denial. I'm not talking about mind over matter, not, nothing like that. What I'm talking about is God's peace, the kind of peace that only God can give. In fact, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. You can have God's peace and not to have not have to be fearful in peaceless situations. In fact, no matter how peaceless, and I'm going to use that word even though I know it's, I know it's not a real word, no matter how peaceless your life can be or things around you can be, your life can still be peaceful. And 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 here's here's the truth of the matter: that we have a hard time accepting that truth, that life can be peaceful even if things are peaceless around us. We have a hard time accepting that truth. And I think it's because, unfortunately, many of us, we've bought into the lie that stress-filled living is normal. I mean, that, that's just the way life is. Life is supposed to be full of stress and anxiety and, and peaceless situations. We've bought into the lie that stress-filled living, that that's the norm. I mean, that's just the way things are supposed to be. And, and, while society might promote that, God doesn't promote that. Because peace-filled living is what God intends to be the norm for his children. To the point that God promises that his peace will protect us. Now, in, in this sense, God's peace provides protection against life's frustrations. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4.7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, now note this, will guard, another word could be protect, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now notice that word guard, because it describes what God's peace does for you. In times of frustration, 
God's peace gives you a protection that you can't create for yourself. That's important. God's peace guards your heart by not allowing negative emotions that can take root in your heart, drag you into a pit of despair or disillusion or depression. God's peace guards your heart from that. God's peace guards your mind by not allowing bad thoughts or negative thoughts become bad behavior. God's peace guards our minds from that. And so when, when you and I, when we trust God with our heart and we focus our mind and our thoughts on him, then God guards us with his peace. In short, God's peace, it keeps you from going insane when life is going haywire right? It keeps you grounded. It, it, it keeps you, it puts things in perspective and it says, no, God's peace guards my heart. It guards my mind. doesn't matter how crazy stuff is around me. God's peace guards my heart and my mind. And, and it's not just, just like with wisdom, it's not just those devastating, life-altering, big tragedies of life that, that can bring peaceless situations to you. Sometimes, a lot of times, maybe most of the time. It's just like the everyday frustrations that attack our hearts and our minds. It's it's the little stuff we encounter every day. So maybe you get a phone call from your child's your your child's teacher, right? Oh, he didn't behave today. He didn't he's not doing his work. Uh, that can steal your peace. Maybe there's a uh, a car repair that you just weren't expecting. The roof at your house starts leaking. Maybe you had a stupid fight with your wife. I mean, these everyday, just real life situations, they threaten to rob us of the peace God wants us to enjoy in him. And it's not just us as adults. Your children, well, they also can encounter peace-stealing situations. Maybe uh, they don't understand the new math lesson that the teacher introduced that day. Maybe there's bullying taking place. Maybe they had a little fight with a friend at school. If you have teenagers in high school, maybe they're worrying about getting good grades or grades that are good enough to get into the college where they want to go. Never mind the fact that they have to choose the right career at 17 or 18 years old. I mean, all, all these frustrations, they can sneak into their lives and they can steal the peace that God wants your kids to have. And when those things come up, Well, what we do is that we ask God for peace and we trust that God's peace will triumph over those peace-stealing situations. In fact, Paul says in Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And for me, one of the implications of that verse is that Satan is the author of peaceless situations that can infiltrate your life. But when, when we place our trust, our entire trust in God during those peaceless situations, neither those situations nor Satan himself can overcome us. They will be defeated by God's peace. So it's yours for the asking. I mean, it, it's there for you. God wants you and your family and your kids to have peace. And his peace is not something that, that he keeps hidden from you. He gives it to you and to your family. When you place your trust in him, you focus your mind on him and you ask him for peace. You can be peaceful in peaceless situations. So every day, 
pray for God's peace, allow his peace to guard your heart and your mind and those of your kids every single day. The third thing, third thing you're going to pray over your kids is favor. Now, here's, here's how I define, or here's how I understand favor. God's favor is what moves other people to want to help you be successful. All right? And so here's, here's what I'm going to tell you about God's, I'm going to tell you about God's favor, and then I'm going to tell you how to get God's favor. All right? Now, understand that God's favor will move others to want to help you. That, that's, that's how I understand God's favor. They'll, they'll, it'll move others to want to help you to be successful. But understand this. God doesn't play favorites. I'm not saying that God plays favorites. No, God doesn't play favorites, but he does bless his children with favor. There's a difference. We're talking about favor, not favorites. And so when you become aware of the power of God's favor, you begin to understand that your life is not at the mercy of fate or, or, or lady luck. Wasn't it Frank Sinatra who sang, luck be a lady tonight? No, when you're living by God's favor, you understand that you're not at the mercy of fate. You're not at the mercy of luck. Everything is in God's hands. Your life is in the hands of an all-powerful, caring God who wants the best for you and for your kids, for your family. And so you might be asking, well, all right, is that even in the Bible? Yeah, it definitely is in the Bible. The, the Bible contains numerous examples of the power of God's favors. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just give you one example. I'll mention two others, but I'm just going to explain only one. It's the story of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was a God-fearing man who wanted to start a project that would benefit his people, that is the Jewish nation, and glorify God. Now, the bad news was that Nehemiah was miles away from his people and from his homeland where he wanted to do this project of rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah held a, a high position in the court of the king of the country where he lived in Persia. And so Nehemiah approached the king and presented his request, and wouldn't you know it, the king granted Nehemiah's request to start work on his project. And not only that, but the king offered to provide, listen, check this out. The king offered to provide all the finances that Nehemiah would need to complete the project. What's interesting is that this king didn't even serve God, or at least not Nehemiah's God. And it's possible that he didn't even know who the God of Israel was. So then you ask, well, then why would he be so generous and willing to help Nehemiah? And I think, I think we find the answer to that question in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, because this is, this is where Nehemiah prayed to God before he went and presented his request to the king. And the very last thing that Nehemiah told God in his prayer was this, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Now understand that the king was under no obligation to Nehemiah. I mean, he's the king. Nehemiah, Nehemiah's nobody, right? So the king is under no obligation to Nehemiah. But God's favor rested on Nehemiah. And therefore, the king granted Nehemiah his request. And so when I look at the prayer Nehemiah offered to God, and then, and then the way that the king responded for me, I kind of put two and two together, and I see that it was God's favor that moved the king to help Nehemiah. 
Now, there are, like I mentioned, other instances in the Bible that show God's favor in action. I'm not going to go into detail with those, but for example, the story of Daniel. That, that to me is an example of God's favor. The story of Esther. That's another example of God's favor in action. And, and okay, okay, you say, okay, that's the Bible, but uh, does that still work for today? And I would say yes. I, I would say yes. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, one of my church members, uh, let's just call him John, all right? That's not his real name, but let's just call him John. He told me, this was a couple years ago, he told me that uh, he was being offered a promotion at work. And, and this was going to be, you know, increased pay, additional benefits. Um, this was a good career move for him, definitely. Now, there was one little problem. is that, And the problem was that this position was going to require that John work all day on Sunday. Now, John wanted the job, but not if it meant missing church with his family. So he turned down the promotion. I mean, just flat out turned down the promotion. Now, his supervisor tried to convince him to take the position. But John just said, no, I mean, no. And in fact, he told me, I told my supervisor that I would accept the promotion, but under no circumstances would I miss church just to work. And <laughs> it's funny because his supervisor, he says, um, okay, but the position requires working all day Sunday and nothing's going to change that. So then John just said, okay, well, well thank you very much, but uh, I'd rather not take the promotion. Well, a few days later, John's supervisor came back to John and told him that he could have the promotion on his own terms. That means that John received the promotion, increase in salary, additional benefits, and did not have to miss church on Sundays. Now, I look at that and I ask, well, what can explain the supervisor's change of heart? Why, why would he make an exception to the company's policy for this one employee? And, and as I look at this situation, for me, the answer is God's favor. And you say, okay, I like it. I like it. Where do I sign up? Like, like where do I sign up for this stuff for God's favor? Now, before you like pound on the door of your supervisor's office and tell him that you have God's favor, so I want to raise and uh, I want a better work schedule, let me explain to you how this favor stuff works just in practical terms. And what I want you to notice is that in each of the examples above, the motives were not selfish. Nehemiah, and you can go read about Daniel and Esther, and then uh, you know the story I told you about John, my church member, all of them, they honored God. God's favor was a response to their unselfish motives and their unselfish petitions. See, God's favor, I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching a, a prosperity gospel here, a health and wealth, name it and claim it type of thing. That No, that, that, that stuff is hogwash. Because God's favor, it's not for granting your every wish and your every want and your every desire. God's favor is not like this genie in a bottle, right, that God gives you. The fact is that God gives you his favor to help you advance toward the purpose that he designed for you in his kingdom. And in advancing his kingdom, that that's in my mind, that's the point of God's favor. And go back and look at the Bible at these stories, Nehemiah, Daniel, Esther, and others like them. And you'll see that when God's favor is active is because people put their own agendas, their own desires aside, and they say it's about God, his will, and his kingdom above everything else. And they advance because of God's favor. 
And so when God rests his favor on you, the result is that God removes obstacles that might keep you from advancing. Because there are going to be times in life on this, on this spiritual journey that we're all on, that we will need the help of others to move and to advance towards God's purpose for you know what he has for us. And there are going to be lots of people who are going to be happy to help us out, no doubt. But there will be others who are going to be reluctant, and some of them might even be hostile when it comes to helping you out. When that happens, don't worry. God's favor on your life has a way of making that reluctance and that hostility just, well, melt away. And so how do you obtain God's favor? Well, to obtain God's favor, you need to put yourself in the way, in the path, on the road of God's favor. And the way you do that is by following God's command and seeking to live according to his plan for your life. It's God's favor is a result of living obediently and submissively to God in a way that honors God in everything. And so just, just take a moment, maybe you even want to pause the episode for just a moment, think about how things could be different with God's favor resting on you and on your family. What about your kids at school? How would things be different if every morning you prayed God's favor on them and you explained to them God's favors for helping you to advance, but we live obediently and submissively to God to his will and for his kingdom. Every morning, commit yourself and your family to the purpose God designed for each one of you. And as you do that, I think you can be pretty sure that God is going to make his favor rest on each and every single one of you. And you'll be amazed, I think, I've seen this happen in our lives, you'll be amazed at how many people will feel the urge to help you and your family advance and succeed. And for me, that's God's favor in action. So that's the third thing you're going to pray over your kids every single morning, God's favor. So, so far we've covered wisdom, peace, and favor. The fourth thing that you're going to pray over your family every single morning is strength. Now, let me ask you this. Are there some mornings when you have to drag yourself out of bed because you're so tired? Have you ever been at work and... um all you can think about is when you'll get to go to sleep later that night. Have you ever taken like a a, a quick nap at a stoplight? <laughs> I have. How, how about this one? Have um Have you ever been playing hide and seek with your kids, and you've fallen asleep while hiding? I, now I don't know if that's just me, but yeah, I've, I've done that. Maybe you have too. And if you've answered yes to any of the questions that I just mentioned, you could probably use some of God's strength. Now, whatever whatever you need, whatever whatever you need uh, strength to endure, it could be a, a life crisis or maybe just trying to make it to the end of the day. <laughs> you and your family can rely on God's strength. God can give you of his strength when you've completely run out of your own. And that's that's important to know. And, and you ask, well, wait a minute. Can God actually give me strength? Because I, I think you know that there's no magic pill to give you strength when you need it. And, and let's, come on, let's face it. Those energy drinks, th that can't be the best option. 
But what we do know is that God has an unending supply of strength, and, and he can give you strength when you need it the most. And maybe you've never thought of asking God for strength because you don't think like that's the kind of thing God does, but uh, the Bible says differently. The, the Bible says something different. For example, Isaiah chapter 40. In that chapter, there are several of the powerful attributes of God. Okay, there's a long list, powerful attributes of God. And the last thing that the author mentions is that God never gets tired. That's in verse 28. Now, when it comes to us, though, what's pretty exciting here is that God, he gives strength to those who serve him. Now, you've probably heard, maybe even memorized this verse, Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope or who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and will not faint. And the way I look at it is, is like this, asking God for strength, I'm just talking about physical human strength, asking God for strength is a lot like asking God for healing when you're sick, because either way, you're asking God to make your body perform in a way in which it's not currently able to perform, right? And that's pretty much what you're asking God to do. So if you have faith enough to believe that God can heal you when your body is sick, then you should have faith to believe that God can give you strength when you're tired. After all, he designed, he created your body, and I think he's more than able to give you strength when the busyness of life just wears you down. And when you hear that, look, you're not off the hook, right? Because here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that relying on God's strength, it's not an excuse to abuse your own body, right? Because no matter how strong your faith or, or how sincere your prayers are, as I, as I look at it, God isn't obligated to give you strength if you're always like just eating junk, you never exercise, and you don't get the right amount of rest. I, I happen to believe that God doesn't have to respond to your petition or to your prayer to give you strength for the work day if the night before you stayed up later than you should have because you were watching TV and just channel surfing or web surfing or on social media or whatever. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, right? I, I, I do those things. But the problem is when you allow them to absorb your time and just drain your strength. Because these activities, they have the potential to detour you from fulfilling your responsibilities and even from living God's purpose for your life. And I, I believe that if you have a consistent habit of abusing your body, wasting your time, and, and that's why you always feel tired, then I think God is under no obligation whatsoever to respond to your prayer for strength. Now, on the other hand, God grants you strength when you strive to fulfill his purpose for your life and when you go about the business of advancing his kingdom. And, and I'll tell you that there's nothing better than pursuing the purpose-filled life God designed for you. It is, it's been my experience, it is the best thing to be involved in advancing God's kingdom on earth. But I'll tell you this, from personal experience, it can be exhausting. And you're going to need God's strength to achieve the purposes he has for you and still be able to fulfill all of life's obligations, all of 
home obligations, all the family obligations, all of your job obligations. God, he can give you that strength. And so ask for strength. Maybe you feel, I mean, I'm drained. Like I've got nothing left in the tank. That's it. I left it all on the field. That's it. Well, I mean, you'd love to be able to do more, right? But you just don't, you don't have the strength to do it. You're running on empty. And it could be that your entire family feels this way because being tired, it's not something that just we as parents or as dads, Christian bros who are dads, we're not the only ones who have to endure feeling tired. Just think about all the activities and all the school requirements that your kids have to fulfill. And when you think about that, then you think, wow, man, they also run the risk of always feeling tired. And so if, if tired is a word that describes your family, or it's just, I mean, it's just always coming up in your family, ask God for strength. And in fact, from this day forward, make it a point as part of this prayer, make it a point every day to ask God for strength for you and your family. And, and just, I don't know, rest on the words of the prophet Isaiah. He gives strength to the weary. All right, so that's, that's number four. Quick recap. Wisdom, peace, favor, strength. And the fifth thing, fifth and final thing that you're going to pray over your kids, over your family every single morning is protection. Now, I get it. I mean, I know because I'm, I'm like you. We're probably a lot alike. As bros, as Christian bros, uh, we want to protect our wives and our kids, and we should. I mean, that <laughs> we should have that desire, right? But at some point, you're going to have to recognize and accept that you can't be with your family at every place and at every second. And even if you somehow manage to be with them all the time, there are still some things that, I mean, you just can't protect them from those things. You, you can be right there with them, but there can be some things that even if you're with them, you, you can't protect them from them. And so here's the scary truth, that there are times when you can't be with your family to protect them. And there are things that you cannot protect your family from no matter how much you try. So then what do you do? Well, I see it. You have some options. Number one, never let your family out of the house. That's an option. Number two, you can say, ah, forget it. Who cares? Throw caution to the wind. Just accept that dangers are just part of life and let your kids run wild and do whatever they want and say la vie. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Okay. Number three, third option, you can worry, worry, and worry and just become a person who worries about your family's safety all the time. Now, I hope you see that, I mean, none of these options is even worth considering. I mean, it's absurd. But there's one final option. And that final option is to trust God to protect your family for you. Because here's what you need to know about God's protection. God can protect your family in ways and at times that you can't. God is an impenetrable shield. All right. Uh, Psalm, Psalm chapter three or the third Psalm. It gives us a glimpse into how David thought about or viewed God's protection. Now, in verses 1 and 2, we discover that there were just a whole bunch of people who wanted to see David ruined. I mean, they just hated his guts. And, and they even started mocking David to the point that they were saying basically this, God will not deliver him. And what they're telling David was this, David, 
you're just not important enough for God to protect you or for God to help you. David knew different. And even though David's enemies told him that God was not interested in him enough to protect him, David said something very important in verse 3, Psalm 3, verse 3. He said, But you, Lord, are a shield around me. David knew that God protected him. You, Lord, are a shield around me. Now, I want you to notice what David said about God's protection in verse 3. You, Lord, are a shield around me. And, and don't read over that too quickly. If you've been in church, you've probably read that verse or something like it tons of times, right? And, and I want you not just to notice what David said, but also what he didn't say. Pay attention to that. Because David didn't say that God places a shield around him. He didn't say that God gives him a shield. David said, God, you, the invincible, undefeated, undisputed champion of the universe, you, you are a shield around me. God didn't give David a shield to protect himself. God didn't place a shield around David either. God himself was the shield that surrounded David. Now think about this. Just pause and think about this. Did God love David any more than he loves you or your family? No. Do you think God was willing to protect David back then, but all of a sudden he's not willing to protect you and your family right now? Again, no. God doesn't want to give you a shield so you can be your family's protector. No, he, he's not interested in doing that. He doesn't even want He doesn't even want to place a shield of protection in front of your family. Look, God himself can be your family's shield. God himself can be your family's shield. And and notice, look, it's not wrong to admit or even think that it's a big, scary world out there. It, it, it is. But unless you plan on locking your family up for the rest of their lives, well, they're going to have to go out there sometime. And you can't be with them all the time. You can't protect them from every danger and from every harm that might come their way. But you can ask God to be with them when you can't be with them and to protect them in ways that you can't protect them. And just, just think about this. Just as well as you might be able to protect your kids, God can protect them much better. And sure, the, the dangers and threats of this world are real, but God's protection is just as real. And, and one other thing, this is going to hurt a little bit, but we're bros. I'm not, I'm not doing this just to be a jerk. I mean, it's going to hurt a little bit. Here it goes, and it applies to me too. You're not the most qualified candidate to protect your family. You're not. You are not the most qualified candidate to protect your family. God is. And until you accept that truth, what's going to happen is that you're going to worry yourself to death thinking about how to protect your family. So the remedy for that is develop trust in God's protection for your family. Acknowledge that God is a far better protector than you could ever be. Step aside, allow him to be your family's shield. Because remember, God can protect your family in ways and at times that you just can't. All right, so that was the fifth and final element or word of this prayer. I'm going to repeat them again. Wisdom, peace, favor, strength, and protection. 
Now, here's here's how I do it in my family because I told you that you could do this in 15 or 20 seconds or less and still make it meaningful. The way to make it meaningful is to set apart some time, maybe on a Saturday night, maybe on a Sunday night, set apart some time with your family and explain to them what these five words mean. Don't just wake up one day on a Monday or whatever, after you hear this episode and just start praying these things over them. Okay. I mean, that that's not that you can't do that. You can, but it's going to be much more significant for you and for your family if your family at least has a little bit of an idea of what these five words mean, what the significance of these five words means. You know, what, what, what do they mean? So sit your family down and talk to them about these five words and talk to them about what they mean, what they can mean for them, for your family, what, what God can do and what, who God can be in your family and in their life. Take some time to explain these five words to them. Now, uh, you're going to have to calibrate because depending on the age of your children or your child or your, or your kids, you know, five minutes may be all you get. If your kids are a little bit older, you might be able to squeeze out 10 minutes. I, I don't know. You, you know where your kids are. You know what you can get out of them. But calibrate these five words and their meanings so that you, you can explain it to them in a way that they'll understand. And as they grow, you can expand on your explanation of these five words. We're at a season, like I mentioned uh, earlier, we're at a season where we have two teenagers. So we can, we can have you know a bit more of in-depth conversation with them about these and other things. But it's going to take on a lot more significance for you and for your family if you take some time to explain these five words before you started reciting this prayer or declaring this prayer over them. Because if you're just declaring this prayer over them, it's just five words. It doesn't mean much. But if you've taken time to explain it to them, then of course they're not going to get 100% of your explanation. They're not going to retain it all, but they're going to have something, some sort of a context, some sort of a, of a background of what these five words mean, and they'll have a bit more significance for them. So after you've done that, that for me, I, I would suggest that that be your next step. After you've done that, then every morning, just declare these five words over your family as a prayer. And I'll, I'll tell you how I do it. Now, I've expanded this a little bit since I first started it. I still just use these five words. But basically, here's how my prayer for my daughters go every single morning, just about some variations. But basically, this is how it is. I tell them, you're blessed. You're blessed by God. God is with you everywhere you go and in everything you do. God has made you the head and not the tail. He's placed you on top, never to be on the bottom. And so today, may God give you his wisdom, his peace, his favor, his strength, and his protection. And that's my prayer over my daughters, over my wife at times as well. That's, that's the extent of the prayer, 20 seconds or less. But the benefit, again, of explaining that prayer to them ahead of time is that they know what those five words mean, and they have more significance for them. Now, that's, that's the end. That, that's, that's the prayer. That's it. But what I've done is that I created some bonus content over on the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel. I'll leave a link in the description. And the reason I, I did this as a video is because I, I put together some hand gestures that will help you remember these five words in the order, in, in order. And not that the order is particularly important. But for the sake of remembering them and for the sake of your kids remembering them, the order can be important. Just It, it just helps. But I've developed sort of these, these hand gestures 
that will help you and your kids. Really, doesn't matter how old they are. They can be young. These hand gestures will help you and your kids remember each of these five words that make up this prayer. I'm going to tell you, I, I've preached this prayer at the church where I pastor. Now, I, I pastor a Spanish congregation, but we're part of a larger church. I've preached this both to my Spanish congregation and to the English congregation. And and I, I preached this like several years ago. We're in 2019 right now. I preached this like years ago. And I still have people as recently as three weeks ago, as of the time of this recording, who come up to me and tell me, we've been praying this every single morning since you preached it. And then they show me the hand gestures or they ask their kids and their kids know the prayer because of the hand gestures. So this stuff works. I mean, this this will work and, and it's helpful. I have people who have written to me on, on Facebook telling me, hey, we're still doing the prayer and my kids know the hand gestures and all this stuff. It's been very helpful, very powerful for our family. So, you know, and I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn. If you know me, I, you know, I'm not like that. But I'm just, I'm just telling you that this prayer is meaningful. It's short, it's brief, but it's meaningful and significant. You can share this with your family, teach them what it means. And then with these gestures that I've, that I've put together, it will help you remember the words and it'll help reinforce it for your kids and they'll remember them as well to the point that they themselves will be able to lead the prayer. That's how simple it is and that's how effective these hand gestures are. So there's a link in the description of the podcast episode and uh, it'll take you over to the YouTube, to the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel where you can you can see that video of the hand gestures. Now, some of you are watching this on YouTube because I'm also recording this as a video. There will also be a link in the description uh, of, of this video that you're watching right now that will take you over to that same video where you can see the hand gestures. So uh, check that out. I'd love to hear uh, what it did for you. I mean, maybe, maybe this prayer helped you out. Maybe you have some prayer that you share, that you declare over your family. Man, I'd love, I would love to hear the prayers that you declare over your family every day. And if you're not doing so already, I strongly recommend, whether it's this prayer that I just taught you or something else, I strongly recommend that you just develop the habit of praying for your kids, praying for your family every single morning before you head out the door. It's a powerful moment that you can have with your family. All right, bro. That's it for this episode. I'll remind you that there is a brand new episode the first Monday of every month. Additionally, from time to time, I don't have a set publishing schedule, but from time to time, I put some teachings up on the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel. Believe it or not, for me, it's easier just from a preparation and production standpoint. It's just, it's easier for me to do video than it is to do the podcast. So I can put more stuff up more frequently on the YouTube channel. Go check that out. There's some great teachings over there. And, uh, and you can subscribe to that channel as well as subscribing to the podcast so that you never miss out on another episode or another teaching. All right. That's it for now, bro. Hey, I hope this has been helpful and beneficial to you. God bless you, and may God give you wisdom, peace, favor, strength, and protection. God bless.